On this episode of Talking Schmidt, Ryan Marine and Ryan Stieg join me to talk about the return of racing and also the new NHL playoff format. And finally, in our Schmidt break, you get one player throughout history and currently to start a franchise with who you taking. Justin lets us know on this episode of Talking Schmidt. Hello, everyone. Welcome into episode six of Talking Schmidt. I am in the Schmidt House studios. I coined that last weekend or earlier this week on the episode five. So that's where we're at today. And I have a very special guest. I haven't talked to him in a in a while. It's been a long time since I've been a guest on his radio show, but he's off to bigger and better things, in my opinion, because he's getting a chance to chase a dream that he's had since he was a uh, a little boy, and that was to be able to cover racing. And uh, I'm I'm on I'm on the phone today right now with Ryan Marine, who is the host, by the way, of his own podcast. So check that out, Sports Car Three Six Five. Correct? I got that right. Yes, you got it, Bud. Good to hear from you. And good to hear from you as well, man. Tell me a little bit more about what you've been doing uh, since the days that you were hosting your own radio show up in uh, the UP of Michigan, where we met. Yeah, that's right. It's been a little while, but uh, tell you what, it's been a whirlwind tour. So got a chance, like you said, to transition from that to covering motorsports, which was the goal from day one. And I've done it in just about every form you could imagine, whether it's doing the podcast or doing some written stories, um, doing some TV and radio as well. So traveling the world, talking uh, racing, and that's pretty much perfect as far as I'm concerned. And you got to cover uh, an event that you dreamed of covering, right? From when you were a little kid. Cause yes. You're from the Indi- You're from Indiana. Um, yes. And you got to cover what is one of the most coveted racing events uh, known to anyone in the entire world in the Indy 500. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, you're right. And and I grew up in Indianapolis. And something that maybe people don't know is that in the Indianapolis market, the Indy 500 is blacked out live on television. So the way that most people in Indianapolis take the race in is either in person or listening to the radio. And so I grew up listening to the radio broadcast of that race. And you're quite right. It's one of maybe two or three uh, of the most famous uh, motorsports events anywhere in the world. You, you go pretty much anywhere and you say Indy 500 and people know what you're talking about. So um, for me, that was absolutely the goal when I got into broadcasting. If one day I could be on the, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway radio network and part of that broadcast that was a big part of my life as a kid growing up, um, then, then I'd say I'd had it made. So fortunately I've been able to do it two times. I should have done it again about last week, but, uh, you know, this pandemic situation we find ourselves in, the, the race was postponed to August, but to your original question, what was it like, man? It was the most surreal scenario uh, in my professional career. There's no doubt about it because it's what I, I dreamed about. It's what drove me to get into this profession. And all of a sudden, there I was on race day in the fire suit, ready to go from pit lane uh, in, in one of the most uh, iconic sporting events anywhere in the world. And thank goodness my first bit that, that went to air was pre-recorded because when our anchor introduced me, I got tears in my eyes and got all choked up because it was really happening. And thankfully, it went into a recorded interview because I'm not sure I would have had my composure otherwise. Yeah, it's one of those things I always feel, uh, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who have, you know, whether it's the opportunity to play at a certain level or, in, in your case, cover 
um, a major sporting event that you've always wanted to cover. And, you know, I, I talked to a few guys who, you know, made it to the minor leagues uh, in some of the first few episodes that we had in baseball. And one of my closest friends being drafted by the Braves, who he was a fan of all of his life, and his brother was drafted by the Braves, and they were both in the Braves organization. So, you know, that feeling of being able to, you know, put on a Braves uniform in some capacity was, you know, a major life moment for him. And I know because when we would talk about it, because my wife's family is from uh, Indiana, and and I know how big that race is for them. Obviously not so big for me, you know, not always being the biggest racing fan, but, you know, getting a chance to talk with you a lot when we were in the UP of just, you know, how much you love that race. Uh, I remember getting to see, I believe you posted something on Twitter, and I was just like, he's done it. Like, he's done it. That's a, one of the coolest things. So um, one of the things that you did mention is that, it should have been last week. It should we yeah. should have seen the Indy 500, but we do have uh, as as uh, unless you've been living under a rock or <laughs> underground, maybe you went into a shelter not too long. You know when all this started breaking out in the pandemic here, uh, we haven't been able to be around each other. You know social distancing, all that. Um, but right now we're looking at what the second week of August is about when they're scheduling uh, the chance to have the Indy 500. Yeah, that's the plan as it stands, and, and hopefully it all comes together. If it does, I think it figures to be one of the, the first major sporting events that, that will have fans in the stands. That's the plan right now, at least. We'll, we'll see if it actually comes to fruition, but I think everyone around here is anxious to, to see that happen one way or the other, even if it is to an empty house. And Boy, that would be really surreal because when you're talking about the 500, you're talking about the, the largest single-day sporting event anywhere in the world. They don't release attendance figures, but estimates are at least in the 200,000 range, and they range as high as over 300,000 people showing up. Uh, same place, same time. So it, part of what makes the event so great is that you have so many people concentrated in one area, and obviously that's a tough thing to do in this time that we're living in right now and i really am curious in and maybe I, I don't really want to find out but it would be a surreal experience to to experience that race without fans in the stands um because it's such a huge part of what makes it a, a unique cultural icon and racing has been back we know that nascar's come back and you were talking about not having fans in the stands and and that's been something that's been I feel weird even at the NASCAR. But then again, it's not been so weird at NASCAR because their viewership has been crazy as well. Six point three million on the first race back, and then this past weekend uh, they were competing against sixty minutes and pretty much beat them almost every thirty minute block. There was like one thirty minute block where really uh, uh, sixty minutes got them, but they started off at the seven o'clock hour. Uh, with 3.68 million viewers watching NASCAR, um, and then at one point got up to 4.15 million viewers watching a NASCAR race. To me, that's crazy to think of because, you know, you don't really have um, a ton, I feel, of NASCAR followers, but I feel like right now with it being the only live sports where we know that something's going to, I mean, the cup's on the line at this point, um, I just feel that that's been a huge push for maybe all sports. Yeah, I think part of of NASCAR's decision to go back as quickly as they have was they they felt they felt they might have a, a bit of a a gap to to 
grab some casual fans that might not watch otherwise. Although I think that would be maybe tertiary on their list behind the fact that uh, really the the economics of the system in motorsports relies on cars being on track for sponsor money and TV money to get paid to the teams. That's their lifeblood. And then there's there's the fact that uh, that NASCAR has the ability with so many of the teams based in the Charlotte area. There's a lot of tracks within driving distance they've been doing this all in one day so there's not been any hotels or overnight stays and things like that and and the series also owns a lot of the tracks that it races at so there's a, a couple reasons why they've been able to do this when other sports and other even motorsports have not to this point in time but you know to your point about the the tv ratings i mean there those numbers are good and and they're maybe up a little bit in some instances but they're not totally out of left field the the, the nascar viewership has declined somewhat over the last decade or so but it still tends to be in its tv window the the highest watched sporting event throughout the summer really until football comes on so it's not a not a huge surprise um, I think the, the thing that NASCAR is really hoping they can build on here, though, is to grab the casual sports fan who just wants live sports on TV, might not ordinarily be interested in watching a race, but they flip it on because it's live, because it's something new, and they need that distraction, and maybe they see something they like and they keep coming back. And certainly for all the motorsports, we hope that's the case. I think we have to view ourselves in this sport as as one larger entity, even though there are divisions within it and uh, everyone working for the common goal. And and I think if you can grab some extra NASCAR fans, maybe all of a sudden they start tuning into drag racing or Formula One or IndyCar or sports cars or whatever, and the high tide lifts all boats. So I think all of us are watching quite interestedly in how this goes for NASCAR, for one, for the reasons I just mentioned, but also because they are providing the blueprint for getting motorsports back on track. And we're all really hoping that they found a system that works where they can be on track, be safe in this environment and uh, provide an example for the rest of the sport to follow. Ryan, it's been an absolute pleasure getting a chance to catch back up with you, man, and, and getting to see and hear, well, not see you, but I did get to hear from you at <laughs> least and get to hear, you know, what's going to be going on. And I think we're all excited for the for the Indy 500, especially if we can get uh, fans in the stands. And I know you're very excited about that as well. Um, man, it's been great getting a chance to talk with you. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait for the 500. Great to catch up. And here's the thing. I know you're not a racing guy, but this is an event that is beyond racing right if you care about sports it's a bucket list item and i guarantee if for no other reason than the people watching this is of course assuming there are fans <laughs> in the stands but if for no other reason it's something you have to come and see once and experience one time so hey you get in touch with me if it's ever something that uh, that you want to check off your bucket list and we'll make it happen maybe get you a little bit of, of a behind the scenes look as well Hey man, that sounds great to me. I finally have time off as well, so that I might be able to <laughs> might be able to do that. Ryan, it's been great talking to you. Don't forget you can catch Ryan. Check out his podcast as well, Sports Car 365. Uh, follow him on give him a follow on Twitter, give Sports Car 365 a follow on Twitter as well. Um, one of the greatest traditions in the UP I felt when I was up there was the Ryan and Ryan Friday. Well, I have the Ryan and Ryan Thursday now because my guest after this, Ryan Stieg, another fellow journalist from the UP. I get a chance to talk to him about a little bit of hockey. He's coming up after the break. All 
All right, everyone, welcome back to episode six of Talking Schmidt. We are in the Schmidt House studios, and I have a new guest joining me for this next segment, uh, a guy who um, took me under his wing. Let's put it that way, because when I moved up to Marquette, Michigan, my knowledge of hockey was from like a few Blues games that I had gone to as a kid and a few Preds games I had gone to when I was in high school and college. So I did not know much about hockey. And then the walking hockey encyclopedia that is Ryan Stieg uh, took me under his wing and he said, let me teach you a little bit about hockey. Um, he also made sure I didn't fall out of chairs when I was shooting Northern Michigan uh, hockey games because I was too short to shoot from the area <laughs> they wanted me to. So I had to stand on a chair. But a uh, good friend of mine, Ryan Stieg, joining the uh, Talking Schmidt podcast. Ryan, it's great to have you, man. Yeah, it's uh, great to be here. I, I did my best to try to make sure you didn't fall off a chair. I uh, <laughs> That was my goal. Yeah, I appreciate that. I, I, I came out healthy other than eating a ton of pizza that was free. Um, that we felt we deserved because of the area that they crunched us into. Yeah, it uh, was well-deserved, and uh, they still do that. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I, would, I would have said something had we not gotten pizza anymore. So Yeah, I would have been upset too, man. I would have been upset for you. I might have sent a letter from you know wherever I was to be like, hey, get this man some pizza. What are we doing here? Yeah. All right, Ryan, so uh, the NHL... One of the biggest announcements we've had for live sporting events other than, you know, internationally with soccer announcing that they were going to be coming back at least without any fans. Uh, the NHL saying, hey, our season is over, but we're not done yet. We're going to crown a Stanley Cup uh, champion. And they announced their playoff system. Uh, I know that there's been some back and forth on it. I know Michael Wilbon was just like, this is not making any sense. I don't know if it's going to work. Uh, as someone that is a very big on hockey, and I know you're a very big hockey fan, uh, tell me first, do you like this format? And if you don't like it, or even if you do, whatever it is, kind of give me a reason why. Well, it's an interesting thing going on right now because I feel that hockey's trying to, to find some way to finish the year they know that hey you know our, we lost an entire season back in 05 where you know people kind of disregarded our league from that point on so they want to get something done so they come up with this concept i have mixed feelings about it i'm happy that they came up with something because if you're gonna do a postseason you gotta have something that will actually get people interested. And I think that having more teams might generate that interest again, but at the same time, there's a lot of technicalities in there. And the fact that where are you going to play the games? You know, you got the top four seeds in each conference are going to have to play each other to see who gets to be the seeds. And then you have the first round. It's, it's kind of wacky <laughs> in its own way. I, I wasn't expecting this kind of concept. So for me, when I saw the news, I was like, I can see the positives, but I can see the negatives as well. I, I, I'm not a, one of those guys that's full bore. I love this idea or full bore. I hate this idea. So, so you think as like a common fan, maybe somebody that's not, so sold on hockey you know like if if this was me before i got a chance to really understand the game and and understand how it all worked if if i saw that okay we're gonna have live sports do you think i'm tuning in anyway or do you think i'm trying to research the playoff system do you think that maybe is what the nhl was aiming for i i think they were trying to get 
I, I do think they were actually trying to get more casual interest because hockey in the U.S. has always been more of a regional thing. Now the game is spreading, as you mentioned. You know, St. Louis is a very passionate fan base. Nashville has obviously shown in their playoffs that they're they're really full bore loving the Predators, but they're it's still kind of fourth on the list. It's well behind football. Baseball's probably still second and still behind the NBA. So they're trying to think if we get more teams involved, maybe that'll get people to pay attention. Maybe casual fans who maybe are okay with hockey, but aren't really full bore passionate, loving this, the game, kind of like a living and dying with the sport they will be, hey, let's, you know, a team that's from our general region has made it. Maybe this will may, maybe want to tune in a little more. I think that's kind of what they're going for, too. That's that's kind of what I was thinking with it as well. Uh, here's some things we do know about it as uh, I guess we try to clarify a little bit of what's going on. Some of the things that we do know that are positives um, that are completely, uh, I guess, 100% in stone here. We do know that the season is over. I mentioned that earlier. We do know the President's Cup went to the Boston Bruins. Um, we know that the, the top four teams out of the East are the Bruins, Lightning, Caps, and Flyers. And in the West, it's the Blues, Avalanche, Golden Knights, and Stars. As we mentioned, those four teams, those four teams in their respective conferences, will play in a round robin to decide their seeding, even though they'll get a first round bye. Um, in the first rounds, we'll have uh, a five versus 12 matchup, six versus 11, seven versus 10, eight versus nine. I have all those uh, teams written down, but that's a lot to say in one breath. Um, on top of that, those teams will play a best of five series. And as Ryan mentioned, we don't know where host sites are. There's 10 cities right now that are listed and they're going to whittle that down to two. So I imagine they're probably going to have an East coast, West coast, um, location is what I would imagine. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, too, is they're going to find one city that can host all the Western Conference games, another city that can host all the Eastern Conference games, and most likely, in a, kind of like a, a centralized location, you don't want to have it too far up north. Like, if you're going to do the East, you don't want to have it way up there where travel can be an issue or, you know, where, you know, teams might have to spend more money to travel up there. You're going to try to put it where everybody's, I mean, nobody's going to be really happy with, uh, you know, playing a neutral site playoff game, but try to make everybody, I don't know, appease as many people as you possibly can. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an interesting situation. I, that, the top seeds, it's – I never thought they'd do the first round. Um, I thought these teams would get a bye, but I didn't think they'd have to play for seeding. Right. I thought they would just automatically get, okay, looking at who won the divisions. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They would get – and then it would be based on record. You know? Okay, who had the best record for it? I never thought there would be, okay, you win the President's Cup, but you may not get the top seed overall if you can't win the round robin. It's just, that's, I mean, I adding more teams, I like that. But the four, that's what's kind of getting me. I, I'm not a real fan of that concept. Yeah, I didn't like that either. I, I feel, you know, like you mentioned, literally the President's Cup uh, whoever wins that is is going to be the number one seed in their conference. Like that's how that's always been. Uh, so maybe if you're more of a traditionalist in the hockey, you know, world, you're like, 
all right, this is just weird. Why not just, you know, give Boston that one spot? Like, it, it just didn't make sense to me uh, either. And then the Blues, I, I feel like, you know, I guess it, you know, I can't say it too much, but with St. Louis, they are the defending champs, and they en- they ended the season as what would be the one seed. So, like, why not just put them as the one seed? They are the defending. Now, if they were, like, eighth, I get that. You know, you're not just going to give yeah. them the one seed, but, like, they're the defending Stanley Cup champs. You know, put them uh, – in that spot. It just didn't make sense. I agree with you. It's like, you know, everybody else is seated five through 12. So why is one through four not seated already like that again? But again, you know, like you said, if we're trying to get more casual eyes on hockey, give them a few more games and they can see, well, you know, these guys may, I don't feel like those games will be as in, as intense, but they also, you know, it is a good possibility for them to get some warm-up games in as well instead of just having to keep waiting on that best-of-five series to, you know, end as well. So that could have been a mindset that they had coming out, uh, at least the NHL could have had. Yeah, the interesting thing with fatigue is um, it plays a big role. in in hockey i've seen teams who you know whether it's the college level or the pro level who if they have time off they lose that edge like let's say if you sweep a team in the first round and you don't play for you know almost like a full two weeks you're gonna practice can only do so much you know, I mean, you can practice your drills, but you don't have that game time action. So you lose that edge. And you, a lot of times you'll see those teams at least struggle during the first game because they don't have that live action to deal with. So maybe that is what they're thinking of is to give, you know, the teams that would have the buy something to play for kind of a thing. But um, I don't know. It just, it, it's a weird idea. Um I don't know, I'm, I'm not a fan of that, but I, I do like the seating they got going on in the first round. And I like the fact that they're doing it on the side, a best of five series. Yes. You know, because it, it's a, the problem is what I was wondering if they were going to fit in the season is how late were you going to go? Because the NHL, for those who may not be big hockey fans, every round is seven games. Yeah. So you're you're asking teams to could play a full seven then a full seven then a full seven and and then a potentially another full seven and you are going to keep pushing back the season to end now if the goal of the league is to try to start the next season on time there's no way that's going to happen if you're going to have that many teams in the playoffs and you're playing a full seven each round so um i do like the fact that they're doing five in the first round, I think it makes things, and it also adds that little exciting element too, because you, you know, if you're down 2-0, your back's against the wall that day, you know, in a seven game series, your back isn't fully against the wall unless you lose that third game. Yeah. So it's, uh, like I said, it's a, it's a concept that leaves you a lot of analysts. Like I, I like it and I don't like it, it's not going to be perfect. And that's, I think, another thing. If they had kept the format that they always do, it was going to pose some problems. So I understand why they did it, but I also understand that they didn't. So, Ryan, I appreciate it, man. Uh, 
be close to your phone because you know we're going to have to start diagnosing these games and uh, these series uh, as it draws closer. Um, we'll have to definitely have you back on. Uh, you might have to have a reoccur- reoccurring role because we're actually going to have live sports to talk about, which is going to be phenomenal. All right. Well, uh, I look forward to that. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for joining me on uh, Talking Schmidt for uh, this segment. We're going to go to break. When we come back, you guys know what it is. Final segment, it's the Schmidt break. I'm going to have to start calling it Kleiner's Corner at this point because he doesn't really let me talk in the Schmidt break. But uh, we're going to have that coming up after the break. All right, everyone. Welcome into the Schmidt break. I'm in the uh, the hall. I don't even know what to call this. We got to get a, this a studio name. I'll let you think on it. Yeah, I'll get back to it. Yeah, we'll think about what the studio name is. But of course, I'm joined by Justin for our Schmidt break today. Uh, normally, I ask Justin kind of a sports and somewhat media, you know, our, our culture question that's going on uh, currently. But today, I just wanted to get a more of a in depth sports question. It's something that you know is is one of my favorite topics because you get to a chance to kind of think of the history of sports. And I know you're a big history guy, Justin. So for me, at least the sports question I have for you today is, you know, the three major sporting brands, at least in the United States, we have the NFL, which is Supreme top one, um, NBA, MLB, looking at those three, you get a chance to start a franchise with any player from the past or present who are you rolling with? And we can start in the NFL. And if you want to do a past player and then give me a current guy that you would want to do it now with, I think that'd be cool as well. All right. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks again for having me back. Uh, you know, since the NFL is the greatest organized sport organization ever, uh, we'll start with them first. We'll give them their due. Um, so for the NFL, you know, I think it's an absolute no brainer. Um, to go with somebody like a Peyton Manning to build a franchise around. If I had to look at a former player, I know there's lots of good ones out there. Um, this is a tougher question than it seems. Uh, but I'm just going to go with Peyton Manning front, front and foremost. You know, I think what he was able to do uh, for two different franchises uh, in the NFL. Uh, and again, you know, this is if I started today with Peyton as a 20-year-old. Um, I think he's hands down probably the second best quarterback to ever play the game. Uh, and, you know, I'd probably go with him uh, and, you know, see what it does. You know, granted, I'd probably try to get a better coaching staff around him than he had during his career. Uh, but nonetheless, I think Peyton Manning's the obvious answer there. Uh, to kind of roll into a current player, um, I'm not going to say I'm going to surprise some people with this, but I'm going to take Tom Brady off the board, not, not even going to focus on him. Uh, you know, if you could focus on him as a 20-year-old, again, a different story, you would almost have to have Belichick or Brady's no more than, you know, a Matt Hasselbeck or something like that. Um, but I think it's I think you have to go with Patrick Mahomes. I think with his energy, uh, with his appeal, I, I think he's got a huge entertainment appeal. Uh, and and he, he's going to go down as one of the best draft picks of, of this decade for sure, uh, just because of what all he brings from multiple aspects. You know, he's got the intangibles. You know, he's definitely got the personality. He has the leadership abilities. Uh, and just how personable he is with fans and media, I think it's a no-brainer to build around him. I, those were my picks as well. I, I think if I could do have that current uh, player, definitely Patrick Mahomes. Um, I think, you know, even Lamar Jackson might be a runner-up at that point. But even then, Absolutely. it's still, uh, you know, I know that these are the past two reigning MVPs. 
But in all aspects of it, if I'm looking at a complete player, that's where I say Patrick Mahomes is just a top-tier guy. I mean, he's almost – there is a gap between those two players, in my opinion, because Patrick Mahomes is just such a gamer Not you know, nonetheless. I mean, you look at what he does on the field. So I completely well, agree with that. There's a huge gap. One can throw the football and one can't. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to get off topic here. I, I think Lamar Jackson is great. I think for Harbaugh to build that offense around him, kudos to him and the entire Ravens organization. They've done a great job. They're trying to capitalize on that small quarterback window you have in the NFL to where you have them under their rookie deal. You can afford to play def- defensive players and offensive players. You know, you got to strike then. You know, the Chiefs obviously did it this past season, and, you know, a team that's not named Tom Brady, you know, that doesn't have Tom Brady at quarterback, hadn't been able to do that. Um, so I, I, nothing against Lamar Jackson. I think he is an excellent athlete, obviously probably the best athlete in the NFL, hands down. Um, but, you know, I'm just really concerned about the longevity, uh, you know, because we've seen it with quarterbacks that are able to get on the move. You know, they, they just can't hold up. And the game has became so centric around the quarterback that the rules for hitting the quarterback are completely different now. Uh, and, you know, with Lamar's abilities to run the ball, unfortunately, you know, he, he's going to get stuck out there with, like, a guy like Vince Young who's going to get beat up. And, you know, other, you know, other quarterbacks that just get outside of the pocket, they're going to get hit, uh, you know, where if you can stay stationary somewhat in that pocket, you're going to get the calls. Just, you know, look at Peyton Manning, look at Tom Brady, look at Andrew Luck when he was in the NFL. You know, he they got all the calls. You know, you barely tap their helmet and it's a 15-yard flag. Uh, so, you know, nothing against Lamar Jackson. I'm just concerned about longevity. For his sake, I hope he has a long, very successful career. I hope that, you know, they're able to build a statue of him in Baltimore. I wish him nothing but success. Uh, but NFL defensive coordinators have a lot of free time in the offseason. Uh, they are really good at making quarterbacks do what they're not good at. Yeah, and uh, Patrick Mahomes, when he rolls out of the pocket, he has the ability to throw with his left hand, which is you know just crazy to think that he can just kind of switch that up. So moving into the NBA, I feel like I know who your past player is. I feel like a lot of people be like, oh, he's probably going to say Michael Jordan, but I know you, and I think we have the same player uh, in mind for our past. But I'll let you start there, and then you give me your current player. Uh, give me the Mamba. Um, you know, Kobe. Kobe turned so many basketball fans you know into laker fans and he turned people who weren't fans of basketball into fans who who are fans of basketball uh you know i I don't think i don't think in the greatest of all time there's no question uh that michael jordan's number one you know lebron may be the best all-around player we've ever seen i I don't know you know him being a social justice warrior has really turned me off to him you know i just want to see him put a great product on the on the court and not worry about anything else. But obviously the second greatest player to ever step on a basketball court is hands down Kobe Bryant. So a pass player, you let me build around an 18-year-old Kobe and bring in the pizzas like the Lakers did for him. Uh, he Kobe was just a great player. You know, I, I know, you know, with the events here lately, you know, there's been kind of a you know magnifying glass on his career and his life and the great things he did. Um, but I, I really think Kobe would be the player I would build around. Nothing against Jordan. I'll give Jordan his due all day. Obviously a great player. Um, but Kobe definitely, hands down, no questions asked. Yeah, I agree with you. That was, that, that's who I'd pick as well. And, and I know a lot of people might say, well, you know, I know the, the current generation would definitely say, well, why do you not say LeBron? And it's just because Kobe was such a gamer. He was a student of the game, you know, up until he was done with it. And then even when he was done as a player, you know, 
we saw what he was doing with Gigi and just how he was, you know, training her and he was still learning from coaches. He was still talking to coaches to say, how can I make Gigi better? So it just shows you how Kobe, you know, his mind is just so brilliant. And he's like a Peyton Manning of basketball. Sure. And the thing with Peyton Manning, the thing with Kobe, as a football guy, I love football. When you see somebody that loves ball and loves their sport, you have to recognize and you have to appreciate it because there, there's a lot of people that are good at a sport, but they don't love it. And, and you can take your career to an entire different level when you love your sport or you love your craft. We've seen that with Michael Jordan. We've seen it with Kobe. And we've seen it with Peyton Manning. When you actually love and you want to be a student of the game from day one to the day you retire and then on forward, I mean, that is just so, that just leaves such a mark on their legacy, on the legacy of the sport. So just loving the game, I think, is what you got to tip your hat to to Kobe. He, he did love it. And, and you know, here, here's what's going to hurt everybody from from the end of Kobe Bryant's era to now in the NBA. What, what's really hurt them is the slowed management stuff. You know, when LeBron, you know, comes to a city three or four times a year or once every other year, depending on where it's at, in or out of conference, um, you know, there's a lot of people who travel to these games to see him play. And when him and Kawhi and Durant are taking games off for load management, like, you didn't see that with Jordan. You didn't see that with Kobe. And so the fact that these guys were just so, you know, just at ease with taking games off is, I think, really going to leave a black eye on their legacy. And I think it should. I mean, every time you step on the court or your team is on the court, unless you are physically unable to perform, you need to be out there. And even sometimes, you know, we've seen some guys tiptoe that line of not being physically able to, and they're still out there giving it all they've got. Uh, so I think, again, you know, like I've said before, all fans want is for the player to care as much about winning and to care as much about, you know, not liking to lose as everyone else. And so I think that's something that's really going to tarnish these NBA players now. Uh, but I think it's something that, you know, I think fans will eventually adjust to it. And I think they'll expect more out of them. And the NBA will either shorten their season or they'll, you know, just continue to, to perpetually piss fans off. And I think that's what you're going to see. Who would you go with currently in the NBA? Who would be a guy that you would want to build around? you got to go with the Greek freak. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, is it Giannis or Giannis? Giannis. No, nobody yeah. knows. Giannis. I'm going to say Giannis. You know, Giannis, <laughs> if I you know, want to, you know, kind of be part of pop culture, I'll call him Giannis. But, you know, I, I definitely think the Greek freak. I mean, I don't see any way around it. That what that guy is able to do and just came out of nowhere from overseas, a great player. And, you know, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do. Now, with the negative things I've said about LeBron, I do want to see LeBron win at least one more title because uh, I, I do like him. I do like a lot of the players on that team that are with him. Uh, but I think we'll see Giannis get his fair share of him. I don't know if he'll ever get to the number that Shaq and Kobe and, and LeBron have gotten to. But I think he's a two or three championship guy. And I think he's going to have a great NBA career. And, again, you know, he's another one of those guys that are going to bring fans from outside of the sport into it and uh, really gain basketball some popularity. Um and I'm excited to see what he does. But he's definitely who I would pick front and foremost. Yeah, same here. I would take Giannis, definitely. Uh, a big fan of Giannis. Uh, he's kind of actually intrigued me back into watching the NBA because I like to see what he does because he is so talented uh, when he's on the court. Let's move into Major League Baseball now. Uh, you got a pass guy that you would go with, and uh, we'll start there. So I'm going to show a lot of bias when it comes to this answer. Um because uh, I enjoy watching baseball. I think it truly is the great American pastime. Um, 
so I'm going to go with Chipper Jones. Uh, I am a huge Braves fan, being regionally located in Middle Tennessee. Um, you know, as a kid, you pretty much have the choice. You're either going to be a Braves fan, you're going to be a Reds fan, or you're going to be a Dirty Birds fan. Uh, and so you got to make that decision and stick with it. Again, you're going to have your random, you know, Yankees fans and, you know, Dodger fans just because of their, you know, national marketing behind them. Uh, so, you know, I think those, you know, those are all great teams to choose from. But I'm a Braves fan, so I'm going to go with Chipper Jones uh, just because I think with, with his – with what he was able to do with Atlanta, I think he had a great long career, got a great personality. Uh, you know, I think it, uh, that's who I would go with, hands down. And again, you know, I am biased a little bit there. So, you know, you could always go with a with a Bonds or somebody like that if you're, you know, not scared of the steroids. But, you know, if, if it's something everybody's doing, is it really against the rules? I, I don't think so. But I think we'll save that steroid topic in baseball for another day. Uh, but I, I think definitely Chipper Jones. I, I just love what what he was able to do in Atlanta. Just really enjoyed watching him as a kid. And again, that's a lot of bias in that answer. Uh, so you can take it at what it's worth. Uh, but definitely Chipper Jones. Yeah, mine would obviously be Derek Jeter. That's a bias as well, a little bit as as a Yankees <laughs> a bit, fan. Yeah. You know, you, you talk about the random Yankees fans who are sprinkled in here, uh, and that being uh, myself. But uh, Derek Jeter, obviously, you know, just watching him play and that shortstop position, you know, and, and Chipper Jones being a third baseman, if I had to pick a third baseman to be right next to Derek Jeter and I knew I had no cap, it's going to be Chipper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that, you're not hitting on that corner yeah, at all, absolutely. you know, with those two guys there. So Jeter would be my guy. What about a current guy? Because I know, you know, there's a lot of talk, you know, there's a lot of people who either love or hate a guy like Bryce Harper. A lot of people love Mike Trout, but he doesn't stay healthy. You know, who are, who are, would you want to right now with the current MLB scene? Who would you want to take and build around? You know, I think you're missing the ball on those first two guys. <clears throat> I, I don't think necessarily it's their – their play on the field that would make them the greatest. The hardest part with those two guys, you can't market around them. They can't be the face of baseball because they, they don't care to be the face of baseball. They want to make lucrative contracts, and they want to play a little bit of baseball, and that's it. So when you don't have somebody that will step up and be the face of it, you know, in the, in the NBA, they're pretty much, you know, creating murder accounts to try to get everybody to love them to be the face of the NBA. And in the MLB, you just don't have anybody willing to step up and take that face of the franchise. I think who I would pick, and again, I'm going to show a little bit of Middle Tennessee bias here, and I'm going to say somebody like a Mookie Betts. I think would be a good person to get behind. Uh, you know, in baseball, it's a little different than the NFL. You know in the NFL, you just need a really good quarterback. Uh, a really good quarterback can really cover up a lot of insufficiencies on a team. Where baseball, it's a little different. You, you, you need a lot of different things and a lot of different areas in the sport. Uh, so I don't want to undersell that on baseball. But that said, I think Mookie Betts is a guy you could build around. Because I think, you know, and hopefully we see it with the Dodgers. You know, I think he'll kind of start, if he can re-up and sign with them again, I know they can, hopefully they don't get shorted on a – one-year deal with him. Um, <clears throat> hopefully, they can get him re-signed. Uh, but I think I think Mookie's a great guy to build around. Uh, you know, and he could really be the face of a team. Uh, but I think the biggest thing with the with the Major League Baseball right now is one: you need a a, a player who can be the face of, of your league, um, and that's personable enough to fulfill that role. And, and Trout's just not going to do it. it it's not going to happen. Um, but you know. <clears throat> We'll see. Maybe tides can turn and move in the right direction. You know, the biggest thing with baseball right now is they've got to get to playing damn baseball. Yeah. You know, there's little leagues all across the country starting to open back up, and and not not to mention not just opening back up, but opening back up with fans. Um, 
And, you know, these Little League games are packed. Now, again, not going to compare that to a Major League Baseball game because it's not even close, you know, unless you play baseball in the state of Florida. But, you know, a lot of these Little Leagues are starting to open back up, and it's just an absolute shame that Major League Baseball hadn't been able to do it yet. It, it, it is absolutely pathetic on the uh, player side and the owner side. The owners are trying to share the profits with them this year, get them all to take a little bit less money. Listen, everybody across the country is taking a little less money. And there's over 30-something million Americans who aren't taking any damn money. So they've lost their jobs completely. So the fact that you've got players and owners who just can't get on the same page with this is absolutely pathetic. And if they're not careful, they're going to run into what they ran into back in the early 90s when they had their strike season and no baseball was played. They're going to lose they're going to lose a lot of fans. Yeah. You know, there there was like a half of a generation just absolutely quit watching baseball because of the, because of the, over money. Uh, there's a lot of money in these big time sports, a lot of lucrative contracts going around. Uh but you have to remember who pays the bills, and that, that's the fans buying tickets, the fans buying jerseys, and the fans turning on on TV. And so if you lose viewership, whether it's at the park or on TV, eventually it's going to be felt in the wallets of the owners, and then eventually it's going to trickle down to the players' wallets. And so I think right now they just need to figure out a way to get back to playing baseball. Uh, so sorry to go off on that tangent there, but I just think it's really important for sports to get back to normal right now, and, and we'll kind of segue that off. Was that the last league we had? Yeah, that was yeah, the last one. I, I don't know any hockey players. Yeah, I figured uh, Wayne Gretzky would be Gretzky the Gretzky would yeah. be the only one in Pecorino. I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean, if he's still playing, I don't know. He's, he's, he's up there now in the Good years. Uh, but the NHL, man, kudos to them for figuring out a way to come back. Is it perfect? Absolutely not. But in these times we're in right now, you know, you've got just getting something there and making it work is what we need. We, yeah. we need some type of some type of sports, live sports on TV for people to watch. Because, again, sports is a, is a way that people can get away from their everyday life and just have entertainment for, a, you know, for a two or three hours of the football game, you know, of course, 12 hours for a baseball game because they're so damn long, and a couple hours for an NBA game. You know, we got to get back to playing some kind of sports. And, listen, I was hard on the NBA, you know, last week, and, you know, I didn't think they had the balls to come back. Uh, you know, it looks like I was wrong, but, you know, I mean, there's a first time for everything. Um but they're going to come back, and they're going to get something rolling somewhere down in Florida. Um, and, and, you know, hopefully they get a decent product on the floor. Uh, you know, I think they almost have to get something going. Uh, but, you know, I think just getting back to sports is the most important thing right now. And, and the NHL's done a great job coming out with a plan, getting the ball rolling. And, again, not perfect by any means. Not every fan base is going to be happy. But, again, we live in a majority rural society, unless you talk about Twitter that's a totally different story. But, again, a majority rule society, and the majority is going to rule, you know, and, and that's what you're going to see. You know, people want sports back on TV. I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, so hopefully we see some good things out of that. But, yeah, to, to go back to that, Mookie Betts definitely, again, Middle Tennessee bias, uh, that's who I'm going with all the way. Yeah, I'll, I like that pick. Um, I agree, though, we need sports back. Uh, there's so many people who are getting a chance to actually get back um, and having, you know, at small levels in buildings. So hopefully we'll see something very soon. If I was going to choose someone, um, you know, I would, I really would love at this moment to be able to say Jose Altuve. That's who I would love to say. 
And uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I know there's a lot of Astros hate, but Jose Altuve is one of my favorite players currently in the MLB, and I know that there's scandal around it, but there always there's always scandal somewhere uh, when we're talking, uh, you know, any sport. So we'll see what happens and, and, and with listen, that, but a no, big Altuve guy. No team has benefited more from coronavirus, no franchise across any major level of sports has benefited more from the coronavirus than the Houston Astros. I mean, absolutely hands down, you know, they've benefited from this. And, you know, listen, there's going to be a few more balls thrown their way, but uh, uh, by the time everything gets back up and going with baseball, people are going to be so thankful that we have some type of sports going on that they're going to start to overlook some of the things the Astros did. Again, there's going to be a few guys that just throw balls, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, But, you know, definitely something good to look forward to. But definitely, they have benefited the most, uh, you know, and I think the NBA's benefited a little bit because everybody's kind of forgot, you know, that Steve Kerr and LeBron James bent the knee to the Chinese government, just like, you know, the World Health Organization is doing. So maybe stuff like that's a little more common than we thought, you know, we, but we've, we've got to hold China accountable, uh, you know, and I think these sports stars, if, if they're going to have opinions and people are going to entertain their opinions as serious, you know, then we need to hold them accountable when they're wrong. So, you know, people need to tell, you know, communist LeBron, you know, that he thinks everything is so damn bad here. You know, look what China just did. China unleashed, you know, a, a global pandemic that could have been, I don't know if it could have been completely prevented, but it definitely could have been slowed down. And this has had an effect on everything, the economy, sports, everyone's livelihood, most importantly, all because of the Chinese government. And so, you know, I think there's one thing sports fans need to remember, you know, make sure, you know, when you're out here spending your dollar, you spend it in a way that China doesn't get a, get a hold to it. Now, if that means you got to buy a few less pairs of LeBron James shoes, then, then so be it. But we've got to hold China accountable for what they've done, uh, you know, because, listen, I'm pretty pissed off at China right now. And I think there's, you know, 30-plus million Americans, it should be too, that have been put out of jobs by this. Uh, but, you know, to get off on my LeBron tangent and my Steve Kerr tangent, they all want to be vocal until it actually matters. Uh, you know, and what they need to understand, facts don't give two shits about your feelings. You know, I could sit here and argue with somebody who's a huge Peyton fan all day about how Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, and they don't feel that way. But at the end of the day, the facts, the records, and everything that Tom Brady's done doesn't give two shits about their feelings. And I think that's something we need to remember with these athletes who want to stand up and, you know, take a stand on something that's absolutely ignorant. Uh, but we'll save that topic for another day. That's just something I thought everybody should hear. Uh, but definitely, you know, shoot me some follows, shoot me some ads uh, if you got any questions on any of that or any topics for a further podcast that you just want to get some dimes dropped on you. Uh, you know, if you want to be informed, you know, let me know some topics, let me know some questions, and I'll definitely give you the best answer possible. Again, it may not be one you like. Uh, you know, you may clutch your pearls and fall to the ground, but, you know, we're going to give you the best answer possible. We need an at Soapbox Saturday. Uh, that's what we need. We need that as our new podcast top. Just to let you get on a soapbox for a while and, and talk to people. Don't forget you guys can follow us uh, on Twitter at underscore Talking Schmidt. I had to put the underscore in. Somebody already had Talking Schmidt. Um, but we're also on Facebook as well. You can find us there. That's where our previous episodes are as well on Spotify and Apple Podcasts along with Podbean if you have the Podbean app. So for this episode of Talking Schmidt, we are officially in the books. And we look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Thanks for listening.